Welcome into another episode of the Pinewood Perspective. A little late episode going here. It's currently 1048 on a Wednesday night. Uh, we got T. Gorski and B. Money as usual. Uh, got a big three here tonight. We got a lot to talk about. Opening up with definitely the biggest news in the NFL. Frank Reich out as head coach in Indianapolis. Mike Vrabel now being the only one left from the 2018 head coaching class that included names of John Gruden, Matt Nagy, Pat Shermer, Matt Patricia, and Steve Wilkes. The Colts hired Jeff Saturday to be the interim head coach. Definitely a lot of questions with this one. My first question is, should Chris Ballard have followed with Frank Reich? Thomas, I'm going to start with you. Um, You know, it's tough to say because, you know, when it comes to GMs, uh, you really are only as good as your quarterback. You know, it seems like if you're a GM and you're still around, you got your quarterback. You know, if you don't, um, if you don't find a franchise quarterback, your your job's not secure. So, I mean, I don't know if I would have fired either of them right now. Uh, I could have seen an argument for them kind of just like, you know, being fired after the season, just clean house completely and, you know, blow it up. But, uh, no, I don't think Chris Ballard should be in the hot seat yet. I mean, no GM, in my opinion, should ever be fired midseason. That just sets a really bad tone uh, for the organization. Um, but the only way I could even see Frank Wright, you know, the reason they let him go was because he lost the locker room. Um, I don't know if that could be said for GM. So I think um, I think Ballard's job should be safe as of this current moment, and they should kind of reevaluate in, in the offseason. Be money. Yeah. Has there even been a GM fired midseason? Not unless there's like a scandal or like something crazy. Like maybe well, John Dorsey. Was it, was it John Dorsey that got fired midseason? Yeah, him. And I mean, I guess Bill O'Brien. Wasn't he du- dueling yeah. in Houston? Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I don't necessarily think that, yeah, he should have gone at the same time just because of what Thomas was saying. Um, yeah, you don't really see GMs go mid year. But with that being said, I wouldn't think his job's too secure once we hit the offseason. Um Ursay's making it seem like he's I mean he said he said Ballard's a proven winner. I'm not getting rid of him at all. And I'm like really? right that was that's what I was gonna say next. Um you know it all starts with what is being said at the top. And if Ursay had said that then I think it's it's a pretty um you can be pretty confident that Ballard will be there next year. I mean dude that dude's gonna be fired. You know, Ballard, the fact that Ursay said that, his job is not secure. And, I mean, yeah, then it go, you can look at it from the other point. What is Ursay going to say if he doesn't want to fire the GM midseason? And he's given that question. You know, it's almost like um, when you're playing a team that you know you're going to lose to and then you just got to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to be ready to play anyways. You know, you can't – there's really that question. There's only one answer whether, you know, he believes in Ballard or not. He's going to – say that he does i mean in my eyes it's like i got a blog coming out and thomas actually got i'm gonna send you this i'll send you the blog to look over after um about the colts and they're pretty much their their want for mediocrity like i don't i I mean they i mean i don't know if they really thought they could get something out of these guys but they had to see this coming i mean i get the i get the go after philip rivers you just went what seven and eight uh, or 
uh, seven and nine in 2018 with Jacoby Brissett. So it's like, okay, we can do that with Brissett. We can, you know, do better with Phillip Rivers. And you made the playoff with Phillip Rivers. But then, I mean, you still had to look that and look that in the eyes and say, okay, Phillip Rivers is on his way out. He's not taking us to the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz is going to do so, really? Like, I mean, you had to be able to see that on paper and say, okay, the, the ultimate goal should always be to win a Super Bowl. And a part of the – one of the things I talk about is the Colts had picked 21 in the 2021 NFL draft, and they traded a 2020 few future first away to get Carson Wentz and a 2021 third. They could have moved up. We saw Chicago do it. Like, even if it was Justin Fields, they had no chance at the top three, but – even Justin Fields or Mac Jones, if they drafted either of those guys, moved up for either of those players, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard still have jobs. Because, you know, when you draft a rookie quarterback, you are locked into that player for, you know. And, I mean, obviously it looks bad because Matt Nagy was literally just fired after drafting Justin Fields last year. But I think Frank Reich has been a much more proven and successful play caller than Matt Nagy has had had than Matt Nagy had been, and they have a lot more talent in Indianapolis than they did in Chicago. So I'm 99% positive if they moved up last year and drafted either Mac Jones or Justin Fields, both of them are still sitting in their jobs today in Indianapolis, not even a sweat on their foreheads about this season. And I think that they'd make it through the season. And I get it, you know, hindsight's always 20-20, but you – you you traded a 2022 first i get it it was conditional for carson wentz you had to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say this is not going to win me a super bowl this might actually cost me my job and then you go do it the following year with matt ryan as well like i get it at that point you were just grasping at straws but it it was their own you know want for mediocrity that costed you know frank reich his position and then the jeff saturday hire is just a, a head scratcher. How do you not want to? How do you not want to look in house and see what you have? Uh, you know, maybe you have a defensive coordinator or one of your offensive coordinators that could step up and you know prove something to you. But I mean, it, I, I, I'm just it's it's fa- fascinating and not in a good way to see what's going on in Indianapolis. It's truly sad to hire someone like Jeff Saturday who's not even qualified. Like, you see this a lot in pro sports. Like, there's a lot of guys even in the the national media on, like, ESPN who are, unquote, journalists, but they're not. They're just former players, and they'll create views, and they're not qualified for the position whatsoever. So, like, I feel like we're seeing the same thing with uh, Jeff Saturday here. Like, I heard he was, like, a consultant. I believe a consultant yeah, on he's like team. a public consultant. Yeah, like no, dude, like you've been on ESPN for like years now. You you're not with the team every day. Like, can you imagine how um is it Marcus Brady? Is he one of the yeah. assistants? You know, and he's also I believe Marcus Brady's also a person of color where there should be the Rooney rule. You know, they didn't even, they just ignored that completely, which maybe there's like a little bit of a loophole where like if it's an interim position, you don't need to go through the whole Rooney rule process. But I just it just makes the Colts look like a really bad organization. And they're starting to turn dysfunctional. And again, talking about the whole Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz, stuff like that. You know, Chris Ballard, you know, just going kind of go back a little bit. Dude, he what kind of like decisions has he, has he made over the last few years? 
because I believe it was a conditional first that ended up being a second for the Carson Wentz trade. You could correct me. Did they officially lose the first? It was a, it was a second that ended up becoming a first. He had to play 75% of this. He had to play 75% okay. of the season. And it I wasn't sure if that was when they took Quiddy Pay, if that was that draft, or maybe it was the one before that. No, they, they, uh, yeah, the draft. I mean, I don't know who they ended up picking at 21 in the 2021 draft. It was Quiddy Pay because everyone was shocked they passed on Christian Derisaw. Um, yeah. That's, that's why it stood with me because it's like, you know, Derisaw looks like a franchise left tackle right now. But that's for like a different discussion. But it's like, why go after Matt Ryan? Like, you know, just like, what are the Colts doing? Like, they're just looking for bandages, you know, nothing like long term. Yeah. Um, it was just to grasp the straws. Yeah. And it's like, how are his Frank Wright going to keep his job? How is Bowers supposed to keep their job when you're going after guys like that? There was also talks, you know, they were in deep talks with the Minnesota Vikings about Kirk Cousins, and they didn't want to pull the trigger on a very similar deal like Matt Ryan's. It's like they would probably both have their job, or Frank Wright would at least have his job right now if Kirk Cousins was his quarterback, or someone of that caliber. Like Matt Ryan, the whole decision to go after Matt Ryan made no sense to me. And it's just like every move the Colts have made since Phillip Rivers has left has just been a complete disaster. And it's it's truly sad to see. And Jim Irsay is not helping himself in the media in this press conference. The way he's wording everything, he doesn't even sound like he believes what he's even saying. Um, and it's truly sad. And again, I don't believe anything he says about Chris Ballard's job being safe because journalism 101 is, you know, why are they telling you this? You know, they don't just tell you something to tell you it. So it's like, it, I'm hesitant on what Irsay says. I don't believe a single thing that comes out of his mouth, especially at a press conference. So, I mean, we'll wait and see. But, uh, yeah, right now it's some dark days in Indy. Yeah, hundred percent. Speaking of dark days, Jalen Ramsey calling out the Los Angeles Rams offense. The Pro Bowl corner ripped them following Sunday's sixteen to thirteen loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got the quote right here for you. The defense should not have to. The defense should not have had to go back on the field. Simple. Got to have some dogs who are going to go get it. We shouldn't come to the sidelines after a big stop like that and our coaches are on the other side or whoever's telling us. We're going to need y'all one more time. We're going to need y'all one more time. Like, what the fuck? We just made a big stop, turnover on downs, with a minute and some change left and no timeouts for nobody. How do we feel about Jalen Ramsey going after one Sean McVay's offense, Matt Stafford, and... Uh, other guys on the team like how do we feel about that Brett um is Jalen Ramsey he's an all pro he's always been this way and I just think that's how he goes about leading um it could be uh could rub people the wrong way but he's right you know at the end of the day um I didn't watch the game so I can't really um, give it from my point of view, but if everything that he's saying, you know, you get that big stop with one minute left, um, your offense has to has to do something, you know. So um, with 13 points all game and, you know, just knowing that the offense hasn't been clicking like they were last year, um, it's it's fair to say that that was the issue for the game, you know. And I think that, you know, when Ramsey um, talks like that and leads like that, um, 
it's by example. You know, he he's he knows that it's it's going to be coming right back at him if it's the opposite way around. I believe so. Um, you know, I think comments like that could be taken the wrong way, but when they're coming from the best player on the team, an all pro, a perennial all pro player, um, a guy that's you know going to be a Hall of Famer one day, um, I don't really see a problem with it. Thomas. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's not what you want to see from a guy that's supposed to be the leader of the team. You know, there's really just no positive to his comments. You know, it's just going to cause controversy within house. Like, the team would be in a better position if he didn't say anything at all or he kept it internally. There was no reason for him to necessarily go public with that. Usually, if guys are upset, you'll see them keep it in-house. Ramsey clearly had a, a different angle that he wanted to take, and he wanted it to be well-known that he is not happy. Um, you know, it's obviously a shot at McVeigh, but I think it's more of a shot at Stafford. And that Stafford clearly is is not who he was a year ago. I don't know if his elbow is, you know, is just worse than we thought. Uh, I, or if this is just, you know, or maybe just, you know, last year was just one lucky year for Matthew Stafford where everything fell right. Uh, I don't have an exact answer because I don't think anyone knows. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I do not like this personally from Jalen Ramsey. From like from a guy that's supposed to be the leader of the team, he's been in this league for a very long time, and you are supposed to be a leader. This is not what a leader does. Um, you know, this is how you tear apart a locker room. You know, so th- this is very immature by Ramsey, in my opinion. Um, very childish. You know, sound he sounds like he's kind of just pouting because you're not winning, so you're kind of just complaining to complain. Um, you know, there's plenty of arguments for all three levels, the special teams, the offense, the defense, everyone's at fault. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is just not a good look for him, the team, everyone. And it's also making Sean McVay kind of look like a little bit of a pushover because, uh, because he didn't really look too much into it. He doesn't scream a discipline type guy in front of me. They're not going to find Ramsey. They're not going to bench him. You know, they're, they're not going to make like a statement or anything, but just takeaways is this is very immature and childish by Ramsey, and he should just know better. I think, I think that there's just obviously a big hangover going on in Los Angeles. They're riding high off last year, uh, and it's just a little uglier than we kind of all expected. Stafford, I think you know, is a few losses away from probably being shut down for the season and just looking towards 2023. Um, there's got to be something wrong within his arm. I don't think we even saw it ever get this bad in Detroit. Like, and he's got a play caller. Um, and, you know, it's probably time for McVay to pass the play calling. And that's not a knock on McVay. We have saw Andy Reid multiple times throughout his entire career toss, up, toss away the play calling. Like, I don't think McVay is a bad coach by any means, but it's probably just time to hand it over for a few games. We've watched great coaches do it plenty of times. You need to switch up. You need to change. It's all right. It's not a bad thing in my eyes. Um, but when it comes to the Jalen Ramsey thing, Brett, you weren't here for this conversation last week, but uh, I kind of told everyone I had an awakening in this offseason. I had a football awakening. I viewed the game differently, just completely like the whole game. Like I I viewed at what the winning teams are doing right, and that's the kind of standard I hold for you know, my franchise, and that's just, I I don't know. I'm not, I'm getting off track here, but I just had a football awakening, okay? That's all it was. 
a year ago, I probably wouldn't have liked this comment that much. Um, I still don't know how I feel about it now. After, you know, I'm a, I'm a changed man. Uh, but it's just bringing me back to my Chicago and, you know, having Khalil Mack, uh, Kyle Fuller, Akeem Hicks, all those dogs and watching the Bears offense shit the bed every single week. And honestly, if Khalil Mack came out and said something like this to the media back then, I probably wouldn't have blamed him. You know, we're out there eating. We're out there grinding. We're out there making plays. And you are the reason you're being let down. Was it the best way about going about it, you know, going to the media. No, it's definitely probably a conversation that could have had been held in house. But I mean, if this is the wake up call that they need, maybe we'll see how it plays out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But like Brett said, this is who Jalen Ramsey's always been to. He always will be. He's always going to be in the public. He's always going to be in the media. And, and one thing I do want to uh, sprinkle on there as well is offense and defense are two different sides of the ball, you know, and as, um, you know, when you get into high school ball, everyone seems like they're on the same, you know, same team. But the further you go college, there's a little bit of separation there. NFL, I'm sure there's a lot more separation. Oh, yeah. Um, just because, you know, just being in different meetings all the time, obviously still the same team. But with comments like that, um, you know, it can it can be motivating to the offense or it could be all the things that Thomas had mentioned as well. But I think when you do throw comments like that after the defense was on the field, gave up the game winning field goal or whatever it was, um, it almost kind of uh, can um, be good for your defense. You know, um, if you're if you're the defensive leader and you're getting asked about this game and you're calling out the offense. It's any of any of the uh, defensive players listening to that. It almost kind of knows like, hey, like, you know, we've we've got this like, you know, you know what I'm saying a little bit like it's it's it can be um, a little bit, you know, motivating like the offense has to get it together. But let the defense know at the same time that, hey, we're still doing our job. Let's continue to do our job and they got to step it up, you know. And, so yeah. there's, there's multiple angles to look at it, but and I definitely agree. You know, it, it is a, it's probably a major separation that we see in the NFL. I mean, these dudes are in meetings together. When the offense is on the practice field, they're they're doing either their you know their work or they're doing scout team for the defense. You know, they're not working really much with the defense, and it's the same thing with the opposite side of the ball. They're in their meetings together. It's all like they're not like really doing much together other than probably like you know, warm-ups and shit, and, like, the backups are doing special teams and shit together. Like, there's probably a major separation, and the defensive guys are definitely a lot closer off the field probably with defensive ball players. And Oh, I mean, in college, you know, you got you got defensive players that don't know the offensive players and vice versa. You know, there's, so. Dude, there's, like, I mean, there's 100 people within the locker room, like, including coaching staff, uh, inactive guys, the 53-man roster trainers everything like it's That's a lot of people hard. to know it's hard it's hard to create a bond like usually you'll see the stars together and all that but it's tough man it's tough to build a relationship so i mean they, like it could go either way really but in my eyes you know there was honestly there's probably some times where i wish cleo mac was like mitch trubisky throw the fucking ball a little bit better you know <laughs> matt nagy called the plays a little bit better and i probably wouldn't have had a problem with it looking back on it now um Green Bay, 
speaking of uh juicy uh what's the word i'm looking for here? turmoil juicy turmoil potential this is all rumors b money talking about your franchise here wide receiver court is apparently being tired or is apparently tired of being scapegoated for the team's offensive struggles by aaron rodgers publicly jeremy fowler of espn reported the criticism of receivers isn't sitting well given rodgers decision not to attend voluntary off-season workouts we'll wait for brett on this one because i'm sure he's got a lot to say thomas your thoughts yeah i mean i mean can we can we can we really blame the receivers feeling this way being called out consistently on the pat mcafee show and in press game you know just in the post game press conferences when it's like they wanted to build this bond early on and their franchise quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, isn't there to build that chemistry early on with them because he didn't want to show up, you know? So, and then now it's like, oh, you know, let's just try to figure this out in training camp. Like, that's not enough time. Like, you should have been at OTAs. You should have been at voluntary mini camps. Like, if you were serious about this, you know, you would have been there. And I, I do understand where the Packers side, the Packers receivers are upset, and I think rightfully so. Yes, they're young. Yes, you know, they have dropped certain passes in big-time spots. Yes, they have underachieved. You know, it's a lot to step in for Devontae Adams. But the quarterback needs to do a better job at understanding where these guys are at at this point in their careers. Romeo Dubs is a fourth, fifth-round pick from Nevada. You know, you shouldn't ask for immediate impact out of a guy like that. Christian Watson's been banged up with injuries all year. Um, you got is it Sammy Torre? You know, you have another guy. You know, there's a lot of changes in Green Bay outside of like Randall Cobb. You know, where I just I do understand where the receivers are coming from, and they have a right to be upset. But I also do see an angle for you know for Aaron Rodgers. You know, he has high expectations. You know, he doesn't feel like he needs to like, you know, to him he's 37 years old. He's been in the league for nearly two decades. You know, like you know he's been through this time and time again. But it's like you need to, like, be a teacher. You know, you need to have patience. And that's never been Aaron Rodgers' strong suit. I get it. But I do get where these receivers are coming from, and they should be upset because Rodgers has treated them very poorly. And it seems like he's – as a quarterback, you're supposed to take accountability no matter what. We have seen Brady consistently take accountability. It's always we. You know, we need to do better. You know, we need to do better on defense. You know, we need to do better with coming up with an offensive game plan. With Rodgers, you don't ever see it's we, we, we. It's always That's like, you not know, true. we need to, you know, he was like, you know, young guys, you know, they can't be on the field. They can't be on the field if they can't make the play. They can't do this. You know, they can't do that. Where it's like there needs to be some sort of accountability. It's a give and take relationship with receivers and the quarterback. So, to me, I get it from both sides because Rodgers obviously has high expectations for the guys that are around him. And their GM didn't do a good enough job of surrounding Rodgers with enough talent. But the receivers should have some say of, like, yeah, we shouldn't be called out every single time because, you know, Aaron Rodgers did throw three interceptions against the Lions this weekend. And was the, and he was the reason they lost, not the receivers. Aaron Rodgers' piss-poor play. So, next. Right. This whole article was a clickbait right. Um, he took – Whatever the context was of this, and maybe it was um, about um, how they're dealing with the criticism, 
what are they going to say? The criticisms, it's sitting great with us. Of course, that they said it isn't sitting well because it shouldn't sit well. If you're getting criticized and you care, you should not, it should not sit well with you, which is, which is the answer they got and which is quoted in the article. And after that, given Rogers missed OTAs, that's just something he threw in there to make tie the article together. You can't tell me that Rogers showing up to OTAs is going to make a rookie better. Yeah. Timing you could say, but is that what we're really seeing the issue here? I mean, when I see receivers running down the field, Example A, Sammy Watkins, there's no separation. Our wide receiver one is ranked among the lowest in separation. And that all starts with where, you know. Ooh, Lazard? Yes. Weeks ago when we talked about this, Lazard was among um, the lowest in separation. I thought you were talking Ross about um, I thought you were talking but, about Watkins. I was like, he's. he's oh, no, Lazard. Yeah. So. Either way, it's not a good course. I, yeah, of course the criticism shouldn't be sitting well with them. And I don't think um, anything, anything, this is anything to do with Rogers not being at OTAs. He hasn't been there the last couple years. Um, it's only uh, being a flashy headline because we're losing, Green Bay's losing. You know, ev- everyone knows that winning fixes everything. And, that's not the case right now when Green Bay has lost five straight. So, you know, the writers, the blame's got to be put somewhere. They're putting it on Rodgers. If you watch the Packer games, this whole team is dysfunctional. Um, last, if you want to look at last week, really easy to say. A lot of that is on Rodgers, especially two interceptions. That is the difference of the game. Um at the five yard line and we talk about blame deflecting and we did talk about it um the last week but Rogers totally owned up he owned up to it and he said that that was all on him um especially with the Bakhtiari uh the throw to Bakhtiari but then the other one which he is right there's there's a lot more that goes into it than just the throw you know it's it's um a quarterback could could throw an interception he's the one that gets that gets uh, targeted with the interception, you know, but it could be a lineman went the wrong way. This man ran the wrong route, yada, yada. And, you know, just like the same way when a quarterback makes a terrible throw, a receiver can go and make that great catch to eliminate it, you know? So there's, there's a lot of different things when you, when you deep dive into it, but Thomas is right. The loss last week, it's a hundred percent on Rogers, even though he was our leading rusher because of those turnovers in, um, in the red zone. I mean, not even in the red zone within the goal line. And he talked about that and you know what, that's just a minimal thing, uh, in this five game stretch. It's very minimal. And, uh, we talked about this before the show. This is, this article is, is just for clicks, but, there's a lot more than there's a lot more going on with the Green Bay Packers than some unhappy receivers about being criticized by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I just have issues with that not being like internal, just with the past of what Rodgers said in the past. Just talking about it publicly, that's just been my issue. Not necessarily about well, him. I'm cool with them holding receivers accountable, 
Like, but I, I would just personally like to see that in-house. I don't see... I mean, he's gone out of his way to say it. Is that... That's what's rubbed me the wrong way. Well, no, he's been asked about it. And, I mean, Rogers. This is what Rogers has said. He said, the offensive line, receiver... I mean, and he... He's basically... If you've listened to Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, like I have every Tuesday, it's uh, everybody, man. It's everybody. And it's it's at different times, and it's about all three phases of the game not being complete in all four quarters. Yeah. I mean, this just seemed like a big love triangle to me. This is, I mean, not in a good way either. It's a messy love triangle. It's Somebody's got to get fired. I it's, think so. It's dirty. It's nasty. You got Aaron Rodgers calling out the receivers. You got receivers telling maybe sneaking to the reporters. It's not sitting well. And you got the reporters putting it on Rodgers. It's a fucking love triangle. Something's getting real juicy. Well, that's the thing. Not sitting well? Like, what kind of quote is that, dude? Like, how do you feel about the criticism from Rodgers? What are you going to say about that? I feel great about it. Well, like, I mean, some, guy, some guys handle it well. Some guys like some guys like that, you know, because it puts a fire. I think the it. ones that handle it well, though, are the ones that it's not sitting well with because – if it's not sitting well with you, you're going to do something about it. Yeah, so I think those are the ones that handle it well, yeah, the ones that it doesn't away, sit well with. Yeah, but my takeaway is is I don't think the not sitting well, I don't think that was about the criticism of the receivers. I think that it's not sitting well was about Rodgers not attending OTAs. That's what I – Oh, yeah, I think that was thrown was. in there. I think that was sprinkled in there. That's, that was, uh, that's how I interpreted it, was that it's not right. sitting that's well how, the that's how. That's how he wanted it to be interpreted. He's the writer. I mean, yeah, I mean, as a writer myself, maybe, maybe I'm just too honest of a writer and this guy's different. But, like, yeah, I don't know. That's just the way that I interpret I don't know how you interpreted it, Will. But, I, like, if you read from top to bottom, I just interpret it as it, like, they, it did not sit well with the receivers that Rodgers did not attend OTAs and is now criticizing well, them. I mean, I'm sure they weren't fucking You know what the you. biggest joke of all this is? This is? This is what the biggest joke of all this is, is we have three words quoted. So... And no context of where, when this question was asked. So I don't even give a crap, dude. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure the I receivers. Mean, I'm sure the receivers weren't happy that he wasn't there. I mean, but I mean, at the end of the day, they had to have known he wasn't going to be there. It's happened in the past, but yeah, I'm sure they weren't happy he wasn't there. And I mean, I'm, what Jordan Love? Jordan Love's there, and they're calling different plays. What? Oh, Jordan Love's there, and um, he releases the ball two seconds and Rodgers releases it in one like is that what's going on here no you fucking run your routes and you learn the plays that's what you do <laughs> take a sip of the water be money take and they're not doing it take a sip of the water be money take a sip of the water I need another one, man i'm Brett, hot so then who who deserves to be fired because you said someone's got to get fired someone's got to get fired man it's got to be joe barry I'm, you can't fire him yeah joe barry has has been receiving a lot of a lot of heat um i know that even uh i've heard some locker room issues uh they're they're not happy with the scheme and the play calling but man i i'm a big fan of matt lafleur i love him dude and i never see um you know packer coaches they always seem to stick around for a while but i i 100 do believe that lafleur's been you know, a product of 
Aaron Rodgers and the team he inherited. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that LaFleur needs to be fired. I'm not saying that. But somebody's got to be fired, man. You don't <laughs> you don't just lose five games. And um, probably going to be six. You know, yeah. I mean, I have a lot. I'm Mr. Optimistic. You know, I do really think Green Bay is going to go and beat the Cowboys. But, see it. like, don't be surprised if the Cowboys with a really good defense come to Lambeau and blow out the Packers. I mean, I would not be surprised. Yeah. I mean, the honestly, what's crazy is that I, I, I've always cared so much about what's going on around the NFC North and – my vengeance and my anger just against the other teams. But I'm, I mean, I'm feeling good. You know, I, I'm all right. Like I'm cool in this year. Uh, uh, and a lot more the last few weeks. Uh, it's just, you know, the Packers are not doing good, which I love a lot. I like to see, you know, I've, I've always wanted a downfall of the franchise and I hope it blows up even more. You know, I'm, that's, I'm sorry, Brett, but that's just something I'm rooting for. Obviously, if you've been tortured, you know, cut, a thousand times by one guy you would wish you know struggles and pain and misery to end his career that's you know kind of what I'm pulling for and you know yeah the Vikings are seven one and I'm not happy about it but like I guess I just don't care that much this season I'm just about the rest of the NFC North I guess to me it's just like I guess maybe I'm just feeling better with my franchise and that I like I'm looking forward to the future and I guess that what really happens this season doesn't matter too much to me because I'm just looking forward to the future. And speaking of the rest of the NFC North, Vikings improved with seven and one. Chain Kirk Cousins iced out, dancing around with the teammates on the plane ride home. He gets more and more ice each week. Culture in Minnesota is changing. It's changed. Uh can this version of Kirk Cousins lead the Vikings to a Super Bowl? Brett, we'll go with you. Vikings are riding high right now. Um, we talked about this earlier today, Will. And the difference between the good teams and the bad teams are the teams that win the one-score games. And the good teams time. that win the one-score games tend to win the one-score games consistently. And the teams that lose them tend to lose them. The Vikings, they're winning those games right now. But as you guys have heard me say before, I just don't trust Kirk Cousins when the weather gets cold. And we're creeping up on December here, mid-November, and Kirk Cousins is going to have to start playing out in the cold. And I just don't think that, um, you know, I see them as as a uh, – Definitely a contender, definitely in the playoff mix, but I'm not ready to say that they're their Super Bowl team. I, I've got to see a little more, and I think um, there's you know, the, definitely going to be an opportunity for that this week. With their next two games is, I mean, the I've, biggest I've, game of the season for them up to this point, playing the Buffalo Bills. I said the last two weeks. I mean, I said last week that these up these upcoming next two weeks are going to be the biggest tell off for the Minnesota Vikings. Got the Buffalo Bills. Even without Case Keenum, they're a damn good team. One of the most complete. I mean, even without Josh Allen, they're one of the most complete teams in football. Uh, obviously, you know, an MVP, well, not an MVP yet, but an MVP caliber quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in football, if not the best quarterback in football. Losing him would not be fun at all. But uh, 
still a damn good football team all around in the Buffalo Bills. And then right after that, you got the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and in my eyes, they're, you know, two of the best teams in football. They are. And this is going to be the biggest tell-all for the Vikings. People have had a lot to say about their, you know, their schedule up to this point. They've faced three backup quarterbacks. And I think Case Keenum would be their fourth. So, there's obviously going to be questions that will continue about the Vikings if Case Keenum plays and they win this game. And, you know, people are going to keep doubting them, but they're going to keep winning. So, I mean, I agree, Brad. I don't know if I, I'd say the Super Bowl conversation yet. I do. The Super Bowl conversation's a lot. There, I mean, you talk about the Chiefs and the Bills, you know, really, and – the same thing, I don't even like, I the Eagles are on fire this year, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, can this team beat the Chiefs? Can this team beat the Bills? Like, I know we just watched the Jets beat the Bills, but that's a division game, tough battle. Robert Sally's a genius. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to say that about a lot of teams that are probably in the same conversation as the Vikings. I consider them in the same group as, like, the Miami Dolphins, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I don't think they're, you know, they I can consider them Super Bowl teams quite yet. And... Uh, that's not a knock on the Vikings. They're a damn good football team. I have them winning a playoff game at least one, maybe two. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to say Super Bowl yet. And I think it's really just to call – I think it's really early to say if anyone's a Super Bowl team yet outside of Buffalo and Kansas City. Um, but the culture has obviously changed, and the Vikings are a damn good team. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been very skeptical of Kurt Cousins myself over the years <laughs> under, you know, the Mike Zimmer era for sure. Uh, but you know, I don't know what it is, man. But I don't know what's going on with these vibes right now. What Kevin O'Connell is doing, what he's stirring up. But I would have bet you a hundred dollars a year ago. Like if you would have told me that Kurt Cousins is going to start wearing chains, going shirtless on planes, dancing on the way home, wearing some some dope ass shades, uh, I would have called you crazy. This, this dude just seems screams total like dork to me. Uh, you know, he still like, is. He, would, he still is. You know, but it's like he's opening up and his yes. personality is kind of coming out. And the thing that's kind of, you know, show me that is like he's opening up, like his like like personality wise. He's always been so closed in, and it seems like Kevin O'Connell and just this team right now, especially Cedarius Smith. Cedarius Smith had a really big impact on that locker room. And they've really just opened up everything where he feels so comfortable. And you're finally seeing the Kirk Cousins that we always knew he could be. You know, he's a guy that um he could run an offense if you got weapons around him. He's like it's he's like a a better version of like Jimmy Garoppolo right now, where he's going to he's not he's not gonna lose you a game, but you know, we, we weren't really sure if he, if he could win you some games. And that's what he's doing. He's he's had four, I believe four game winning drives this season. Or maybe four to six, like he's been phenomenal. But I, I, I actually think that Kirk Cousins could lead the Vikings to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they'll win, but just how the NFC is, I do feel like Kirk Cousins, the way he's playing, the way Kevin O'Connell's got this offense surrounded him with all of this talent. I mean, TJ Hawkinson was only in the building for like two or three days. In his very first game, he has nine catches, 70 yards, and all nine targets. He didn't even know the playbook. So, you know, the sky's the limit for him. Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, you have a top 10 offensive line. You still have Adam Thielen, who's, you know, his age is showing, but he's still there. You know, maybe you bring in an Odell Beckham and we have a, then this is a legit conversation. But 
Um, I do feel like the way things are right now, the way Kevin O'Connell is running this offense in this team, um, and how the culture has completely changed from a year ago. The Vikings lost these games last year. People forget that this Vikings team lost the most one-score games in like NFL history a year ago. Now this year they're coming out of the opposite side of these games. So the talent was always there, you know. It was just it, it never came together. Now it's starting to come together, and I think when you have vibes like this and you have an offensive group like the Vikings do, I think you absolutely could win the Super Bowl. Or not win the Super Bowl, but I think you could get there. You know, I feel like they could get to the NFC Championship game right now. Like, I feel confident that they could win that wild card round. You know, second round, you will probably host again if you win. That's another home game in a dome. You know, Brett said the cold weather. These two home games would be in the dome. So, not necessarily. The only way he would travel is to Philly. And I do feel like Philly would beat them in the NFC Championship game again. But I do feel like this version of Kirk Cousins, a more loose, enjoyable, a, a relaxed Kirk Cousins who could be himself, this is the quarterback that could lead the Vikings to a Super Bowl appearance. Don't know if they could win. The AFC is a juggernaut compared to the a or to the NFC. But I do feel like if the way things are set up right now, I think they could. And you'll a lot will tell me how they perform the next two weeks, whether you are facing Case Keenum. That Bills defense is legit. You know, like like that Bills defense is probably the best in football. They still got weapons. You still have an excellent coach in Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier on the defensive side. You know, you even if they win, I don't care if it's by three points or 10 or 15, 20, a win, a win in Buffalo is impressive even without Josh Allen because of the way that team is set up. And I feel like they could beat Dallas. Like If you come away 0-2, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, we are probably who everyone thinks we are. But if you split, I feel like you're still on a really good trajectory. And if you win both, like, you are legit. Like, you are the top team in the NFL, in my opinion, if you win these next two games. I don't care if you win it by three. So, like, that's kind of the area they're in these next two weeks is you're either going to show that you're the best team in the league, you're going to show you're what everyone thought you were, or you're showing that you're better than people think. You know, there's really no in-between. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I For me personally, I think it it matter how they win those games. Um, and I do want to say, I do think that, yeah, if, if Case Keenum does play, I feel like, you know, with the winning teams, um, with backup quarterbacks, like stepping in, it almost seems like the rest of the team like steps up, you know? So I would expect even maybe a tougher Bills defense, you know, is that, is that just me or does it seem no, that way? You're like, right. No, I mean, like dude, the Case team Keenum just know they have to step back. up, you know? He's no scrub. I mean, by any means, dude's solid. Oh yeah. The Vikings know about Case Keenum. And another thing that I wanted to say um, on Kirk Cousins, um, when Tom Thomas was just talking about uh, the culture and this and that, one thing that I do notice over the last few years, especially with Kirk's contract, you know, and then him not um, being on the same page or having a great relationship with Zimmer, it was almost like he was like a 1099 worker. You guys know know that term, independent contractor. Like, you know, you just come in and do the job. And but now, you know, after that video surfaced and it's not just that video, but just just my outlook on it now and with how the Vikings are rolling. um, Yeah, it just seems like he's he's a lot more comfortable with that team and um, maybe is not taking. I mean, there's not almost like he has a sense of belonging around with one loss, but, you know, it just. Everything's good right now, but they are winning. So, 
we'll we'll see how things go if if uh that's not the case. It's giving me club dub vibes. Just the culture wise, you know, it's going viral, it's all over the internet. Just a personal comparison. It's it's giving club dub. I'm loving it. You know, it was always fun to watch those videos, and now you guys got Kirk with the chains and they're talking about it. Seattle, six and three after beating Arizona, sitting alone in first place. Should Geno Smith be in the NB MVP conversation? One who was smoking when they wrote 100%. Geno Smith is having a phenomenal season, it is not being talked about enough. You know how hard it is to replace Russell Wilson when everyone has you marked as the worst team in the league and you just come in and you ball the F out. Like he's got 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's completing. This is what impresses me the most. He's completing 73 point, like three percent of his passes. Like that's insane. I mean, Geno Smith is putting that Seahawks team on his back. Right now, they do not have any superstars on defense. Jamal Adams is out for the year. You got some weapons on offense. You do not have a good offensive line. I mean, that team just blew it up, and now they are leading the NFC West right now. You know, it's just um, incredible. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's just incredible what they're doing, truly, and um. I don't well, I don't know if you have your phone near you, but can you pull Josh Allen's stats right now or Jalen Hurts' stats? I want to compare them from a passing level of where they're at right now. Just compare the yards, touchdowns, interceptions. Cause I mean, I feel like Gino's right next to him and he's just not being talked about enough. He's got all right. So Josh Allen, Geno Smith's got twenty two hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns, four interceptions. Josh Allen's got twenty four hundred yards, so two more. 200 more yards, five more passing touchdowns. How many does how many rushing touchdowns does Gino have though? Because I'm sure Josh has got one, I believe. Yeah, I think it's only one. One rushing touchdown. Yeah, only one. Only one this year. Um, so he's got he's got four more picks. Josh Allen does. Josh Allen's thrown eights. Josh Allen has Probably four rushing touchdowns this year, though. Yeah, four rushing touchdowns this year. Total touchdowns, obviously, are uh, a lot higher uh, by about 10 more total touchdowns. So, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, it's, 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 I think in my eyes, it's cute and fun to toss them in there. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the year, I don't think you – I mean, he's a lock for comeback player he, of the year, yes. Is he, outper, is he outperforming Jalen Hurts as a passer? Because I feel like he is. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts oh, – not Jalen Reeves, maybe. I mean, to me, Geno's numbers are not going to be there from a rushing standpoint just due to his age. I think he's like 32. He's got but more passing yards. Two, he's got three more passing touchdowns, two less interceptions – or two more interceptions. Jalen Hurts has got 12 touchdowns, two interceptions – um, Jalen Hurts also has probably how many, how many passing touchdowns? Hurts has twelve passing touchdowns. Yes, Gino has fifteen. But uh, when we talk about rushing touchdowns, he's got Hurts has he's got, got six. six, so that'll put him at eighteen. That puts 
Geno Smith at 16. So I still think Look, we need to quit talking about this. Dude. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, I think it's this, cute though. and it's fun. Um, the Seattle defense is legit. There's some dogs. They don't have any big names. Um, Wolin is a big name. Jamal Adams is out. He, he, is Jamal Adams was kind of a bum to begin with. Right, right. But the, these, this Seattle defense is dominant, a very dominant. Um, and talking about MVPs, I do. What I will say is, I think that we're talking about the wrong award. I think Geno Smith probably has the most improved locked up. Comeback um, or the comeback comeback player of the comeback. year, whatever you want to call that. Um, locked up, hundred percent. Especially with um, with all the things Thomas had said in the beginning. With yeah, we we rode off Seattle. We all did. Um, so this, I had them this is amazing. Yourself. For I think he deserves that award hundred percent. But MVP wise, um, we obviously know quarterbacks all get the award. But I mean, I think Kenneth Walker has been the MVP of that team. Um, what has he got? Like maybe six or seven rushing touchdowns in the last four weeks or something ridiculous. Um, he's definitely opening things up for that pass game. And I mean, you got a guy like Metcalf and lock it out there. Um, when you, when you can open it up for them guys, um, I think Walker's even averaging over five yards to carry. Um, Dog. He's that guy's amazing, and yeah, when when you got a guy like that to hand the ball off to, it just makes the job a whole lot he's easier. Averaging five, he's averaging five point one yards per carry. That's Kenneth it. Walker has got to be the rookie of the year for me. He's probably going to win rookie of the year. Tariq Wollin, or I mean, it's probably going to be Sauce Gardner, but Tariq Wollin should have his name in the defensive player of the year conversation. Pete Carroll should have a serious say in the coach of the year conversation. Serious, I hundred percent agree. And. Geno Smith's got comeback player of the year locked up in my eyes. I don't think it's even going to be close. Um, but I, I mean, I think the MVP conversation is just a little much. But it is fun to talk about. It is fun to talk about at this point in the season. Power rankings. Let's make them quick. Let's do NFC. it. Eagles still number one. They're eight and zero. They seemed a little shaky on Thursday night, but not enough yeah, to they, drop off. They're kind of like the Vikings, where like their schedule's been a little weak up to this point. Why? That's why I feel like no one truly believes in the Eagles. Yeah, I also have the Eagles though as a top team, just because they haven't lost yet. Eagles. Cowboys were on the bye. They didn't change anything for me, so they're still my two. Yeah, to me, you know, you can't ignore seven and one. You know, so uh, seven and one is much is better than six and two. So I can't really. I got to put the Vikings ahead of them. Um, coming off a of bye week here, and I can't remember my last power rankings. I probably had them here, but I'm going the 49ers set too. The record doesn't uh, show for, you know, we're not ranking. The, you know, we can look at the standings, but that's not what this is. It's the power the rankings, and I think, I think after they made that McCaffrey trade, this team is just a force to be reckoned with and if you want to tell me one nfc team that i do think will beat the eagles i've got the niners so i've got them at two all right that's our two uh my three is the minnesota vikings uh cowboys were on the bye 
Uh, Vikings struggled against the Commanders. I didn't really get to watch the game, but apparently from uh, in sor- inside sources named Justin Brown, he said they played horrible. You know, if they went out there and hung, if it was like 45 to three, they might have jumped the Cowboys since they were on the bye, but, you know, they battled with the Commanders. Uh, so Vikings still seven and one. I already said my piece about the Vikings earlier. Uh, they're my three. Yeah, yeah, I've got the Vikings at three as well. Um, a win's a win, so I'm not real, t- you know, too critical about that. You have you have good games, you had bad and a road games, win. and a road win. But um, yeah, seven and one, you can't ignore it. And I think uh, these next couple weeks are really going to tell us who the Vikings are. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna go the Seattle Seahawks. You know, I need to see more. Of I know it's spicy. It's spicy. Um, they've won a lot of good games to me this season. The Cowboys just got to prove a lot to me. Like, you know, they, they, I don't believe in them on offense. Yeah, the defense is legit. But when I have to evaluate a lot of teams, and especially these power rankings, I care about the t- the teams that I feel like are the most complete. And I don't sense that from the Cowboys. I don't. They don't have a. Their passing game is not efficient enough for me. So, like, I actually believe the Packers could beat them because I don't think the Cowboys are going to be able to pass. You know. So yeah, that's the only reason I have the Seahawks at three is because they're six and three. They've beaten the Cardinals pretty handily. They've beat the Giants at home. Like a lot of their wins are pretty convincingly, and they've had to face a lot of adversity. So they've impressed me up to this point. Wow, uh, I got the Forty ers at four. I have. The Dallas Cowboys at four because I still can't ignore that six and two record. Still top four team. Like if you're not above five hundred, you know I don't even know if you even belong in my power rankings personally because I feel like if you're not a winner, then you don't believe you don't deserve to be in the conversation with these teams. Um, so yeah, I have to have the Cowboys for me probably at four. B money, Cowboys, and at five I have the Seattle Seahawks. Big win against Arizona. They finally cracked my top five over the New York Giants. Um, they just continue to impress me more and more each week, and I'm really looking forward to that second matchup between the 49ers and the Seahawks. The 49ers dominated them in week two. Yeah, um, you know, I thought about having the Niners on here, but it, it's just so hard for me to put a team in this conversation that is not leading their division. They're not in, you know, they're not even above 500. They don't even have a winning record. So I do have to have the Giants here right now. They are 6-2. and two. They lost a pretty close game to the, uh, to the Seahawks. But they did beat the Ravens. The Ravens are a very well-run team right now. They beat the Ravens. Um, they beat the Titans week one. You know, they beat a lot of teams with, with winning records. So it's like I have to have them on this list. When the Niners, you know, you've been kind of a disappointment this season. Brett, your fifth spot for the NFC? Fifth spot, I'm going to have to go with the Giants. Um, Coming off a bye week as well, but I believe they're sitting at 6-2. Is that correct? Same record as the Cowboys. 6-2. Really easy game this week. Uh, Houston, I believe. So, I have them going to 7-2. If they lose that game, they'll definitely fall out of my power rankings. But I'm going to have to stick with the Giants. For five, just because um, I'm, I'm I'm seeing them at seven and two. All right, all right, all right. This is where it gets juicy. Bills coming off a loss, they still own my number one spot, though. I have a I have a feeling someone put the Chiefs at one. I did. That's me. 
And there it is. Um, I just feel like the Chiefs are more complete. Buffalo can't run the ball. Like, Josh Allen's hurt right now because he he's all they got. You know, like, this team will only go as far as Josh Allen takes them. So, you know, dude, Patrick Mahomes, you know, I know the Bills beat them, but they're just a more complete team. They're, they're better run. Buffalo cannot run the ball. And that has been their Achilles heel for years. And that's why they're probably not going to make the Super Bowl again. Ooh, be money. Right, that's my bold take. Buffalo. Got Buffalo at one. Um, I, I, I do. I think it's a close two. But can't lose it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sticking with I'm just sticking with the Bills right now. Um, I think I think it's easily justifiable, especially with a uh, Josh Allen arm injury, and they're definitely not as stable at the one as what they were for me. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if you know they were talking here next week or two weeks from now, and they've dropped down more than one spot for me. Um, because of uh, this Josh Allen news. But I still got him at one right now. Big game for him this week. And, uh, yeah. All right. So then, Thomas, I'm assuming your Bills are the two. Yeah. Brett, your Chiefs are your two. Yes, sir. Chiefs at two. Chiefs at two. Uh, Give me the Ravens at three. They had a pretty big win on the road in New Orleans, and uh, they surpassed the Dolphins this week. I think that there's probably going to be a lot of times where they switch back at three and four for me. But give me the Ravens this week. Um, They impressed me more than Miami this week. Miami's offense was rolling. Miami's defense looked very, very bad. And uh, they got the ball moving on the road in New Orleans in prime time. Got the win. Give me the Ravens. Yeah, I also have the Ravens as well. Um, you know, I got to drop the Dolphins down. I mean, I understand, like, you're on the road in Chicago, but, like, you can't have – what Justin Fields and that offense did, you just can't allow that, you know. Good teams would not allow that to happen. So, I mean, I have the Ravens here. Um, Ravens at three. You know, they're Lamar's playing – playing okay football. I still feel like that defense and team as a whole is still very well run. But um, I can't ignore, you know, going into New Orleans against the backup – quarterback and no Michael Thomas um you know defense is shaky Dennis Allen's not a great coach so I mean yeah I mean you are as good as your record so right who you got at three three this one was a tough one for me especially after the Jets pulled off a crazy win last last week so you probably know where I'm gonna have them after I say this but I'm, I'm gonna agree with you guys I got the Ravens at three as well um yeah, losing Bateman um, and not playing with Mark Andrews was a big hit for their receiving core, but they still got it done. And I think, you know, they're always going to find ways to win with Lamar Jackson, that quarterback, sitting at six and three right now. I think having them at third in the AFC is a good spot for them. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, all three of us going Ravens at three. I got the Dolphins. Their offense is still inexcusably great um and i will say you know obviously i knocked on their defense and they did get out torch but at the end of the game you know the last two drives they stepped up when it mattered and it's uh it's hard to stop justin fields legs um they don't have to play his legs every single week um at the end of the day the defense needs to be better but their offense is looking un- unreal 
unreal. It was tough. Uh, I still got the Dolphins at four. Brett, the the money Jets. Oh, the Jets, hundred percent. I got the Jets at four. Um, and I'm gonna tell you why right here. Dolphins are five for me, but I've got the Jets over the Dolphins because the Dolphins are cute. Everyone loves the pass. Every you know they they're cute, but the Jets are they're hardcore. They run the ball. They play defense, and when it gets cold, those two things become that much more meaningful. And for the Miami Dolphins, you know, they're the total opposite of that team. Um, they, they throw the ball. They've got electric players. They, they play in the hot Miami sun. It's been all nice weather up to this point. Um one thing I do know, the football that the Jets are playing is only going to get better for them the later we get into the season. And, you know, that's that's not saying that the bite, the Dolphins are going to fall off here. I've got them at five. But for that reason alone, when we're sitting right here, Jets coming off beating the Bills, I've got the Jets at four. All right. I, the Jets are giving me major 20, uh, 2018 Bears vibes. The defense is clicking. Offense is making it work. With the weapons they have around them, the energy's high. A uh, lot of young players, um, yeah. And Zach Wilson's in year two, and you know he's not playing good, but he's winning ball games, and it's giving me major 2018 Chicago Bears energy, and I'm loving it for them. I'm I'm happy for them. Who you got at four, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, I the Jets do. I mean, the Jets are legit. I mean, you 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 just took down Buffalo, you know, without Brees Hall, no Elijah Moore. You know, they didn't even have him on the field really. Um, yeah, I'm impressed by the Jets. You know, Zach Wilson's nothing special, but he's still doing good enough. He is giving me a lot of Mitch Trubisky vibes for sure. I, I, I can see that. All right, and number five, I got the Titans. They played a great game. Oh, there goes Brett. His phone died, y'all. We were waiting for it. Uh, he already announced that he has the Dolphins. I got the Titans. They played, you know, I, I've been doubters of them all year long, but they played a great game against the Chiefs on Sunday night in primetime. Uh, and took them down to the wire. Took them to OT. Uh, give me the Titans at five. I want to see one more big one from the Jets before they get my power rankings. Yeah, and, you know, I have the Titans there as well because, you know, if Ryan Tannehill plays that game, you know, you probably beat – you know, you probably upset the Chiefs. And the Dolphins, you know, just playing the Bears as close as they did. Um, You know, when you let that Bears offense put up 30-plus points, you know, just do what they did, Um, I got issues. So – I just I, – I can't even have the Dolphins in my top five anymore. I got to put the Titans there. I can't do – I don't trust, you know, Tua – what do you throw, like six yards in the fourth quarter? Like, Yeah, I mean, there, it was kind of weird because it was an offensive battle the entire game, and then it just died. Bears defense yeah. comes up with two big stops, and the Miami Dolphins defense comes up with big two, two big stops. I will say it was probably the first time in my entire life that I've seen a team – Infield goal position, go for it against the Chicago Bears because they were afraid of their offense. They were fourth and one, uh, leading 35 to 32 with six minutes left in the game. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I'm I'm thinking to myself, kick a field goal, you go up six, you gotta force them to score a touchdown. They go for it. I was stunned. I was like, wow. The game uh, is aggressive. He is very aggressive. He is. he is. Um, but still, I was like, wow. You know, they're, that's putting a lot of pressure on the defense who's getting smoked all game. 
Um, but it was weird. Yeah, once the late fourth quarter hit, uh, Bears defense comes up big twice. Dolphins defense comes up big twice. After all, they were both getting smoked all game long. So, uh, yeah, I think I don't know. Uh, I think I I maybe I'm sleeping on the Jets, and maybe the Jets are going to wake me up this week. Since we lost Brett, we're going to hold the predictions. Um, it's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Pinewood Perspective. Thank you, Thomas, for hopping on, and thank you, Brett, uh, whose phone is dead. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.